I wonder, do you smell anything in here this morning? It's the smell and the aroma of God's people. That's what you smell. And this is an interesting subject because I started to read this and I thought, gosh, I've really never looked at this before. And I thought to myself, wow, what a subject to have a look at today. And I really felt that the Lord was putting this in my heart. And uh, I kind of broke it down into the three sermon headlines that you do. I'm an old preacher. This is the way I was taught to do it. See, that's the way I'm going to do it today, but not necessarily in this order. Stench, <laughs> essence, and aroma. It really goes together, those three things, don't they? The aroma, the essence, and the stench. I'm going to start off with the essence. And if you think about essence, I mean, what, what comes to mind when you say essence? It's something which determines the character, doesn't it? Um, I saw an old sign once, and I thought, this would be a good one to put up today. Um, old fishermen never die, they just smell that way. And you know what? Have you ever been in a situation where um, you've sat beside someone and you've been at school and there's always this one person in school that smelled a bit off, you know, compared to everybody else? Or you've had a work colleague who's smelled a bit off or you've been in a queue and the people beside you or in front of you are a bit off? You know, total good old mingers, you know, that's just the way they are. It's, it's an unpleasant thing to, to, to be around, you know, if you're on a bus or a train or, and you have to endure this for a few hours. Um, I remember going into work in a house once, probably one of the worst houses I ever worked in, and it was horrendous. I have no idea how people lived like that, but there was a stench in the house when you walked through it. Probably from the point that they had five dogs in the house and they were doing everything everywhere and it was, oh boy, it made my eyes water. Let's just put it that way. Um, there's this, this aroma, this, this stench that comes about. But um, I was thinking about the essence. What are things that, make, that would influence us? I, I kind of thought about this. So I put things that, that for me that really do it for me. Aftershave, love aftershave. I always have about seven bottles of decent good aftershave. You know, we're not talking about the cheap stuff, okay? We're talking about the good stuff. My children, my wife, they know to buy me good bottles of aftershave. I go through them rightly. Perfumes, I don't wear those now. But um, perfumes, women love a good bottle of perfume, don't they? And sometimes my customers come in, and I'm not kidding you, some of them are overwhelming, you know, like it it hits the back of your throat, you know, you're going, you know? Shower gel. You always make a good, decent bottle of shower gel, don't you? To keep on the smell of ground coffee. Who loves the smell of ground coffee? Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, I love the smell of ground coffee. How many people you meet and they'll say, I don't like coffee, but I love the smell of it. Isn't that right, don't they? Fried bacon. Nothing goes down better than a good smell of fried bacon. Fresh baked bread. Can't beat good fresh baked bread or fresh cut grass. I'm sure all of you are sitting here thinking there's many things that you would love and they influence us. Like I was saying to Catherine this morning, one of the things I love most of all is roses. It's one of my favourite flowers and our garden is just full of roses and there's going to be more of them in the near future if we can get some more of them. But I just love the fragrances of roses and they have to be a fragrant rose. And uh, we have this beautiful climbing rose that we have beside our garage and it's yellow pure lemony yellow and the smell is absolutely incredible especially after the rain and you walk down past it and the smell just hits you 
I'm always intrigued by how you snip all these things right back to the stump and then in the, the springtime they start shooting up with all these lovely shoots and then come into summertime these things bloom out and these lovely buds come and with these lovely buds come these lovely beautiful roses and the smell is just fragrantly amazing. Apart from the little beggars that come to eat them, that really gets to me. I have a problem with all the little things that eat my bruises. But apart from that, I love the smell of them. There's something we don't think about. David talked a wee bit about it. Um, Christmas is coming, isn't it? That dirty word, isn't it? It's not far away. But if you think about the gold frankincense and myrrh, years ago I, I never realized that frankincense and myrrh are resins that come out of the sap of, um, of, of trees and they're incredibly expensive I don't I can't remember it was some, then it was like about 20 pounds an ounce it looked really incredibly expensive stuff but they use this in pretty much all the perfumes and all the aftershaves that we know and some of the fragrances that we spray around the house come from this stuff and I'm, I'm good I think I'm good to say that myrrh has a kind of a, a licorice kind of a scent to it whereas the um, frankincense has a more woody effect to it. In fact, when I was reading up on it yesterday again, just to remind myself, it said a more woodsy. <laughs> a more woodsy. That's me, a more woodsy. Like when you think about the smells, like a good aftershave, um, it's the, the psychological effects in the, that it does to your mood and your stress and your working capacity. We used to sell these showers and way back um, about about 15 years ago when I worked in, in the House of Victor, and we sold these one-unit showers, and in those, they used to do all sorts of things in it. Um, they had um, shower coming down at you, shower coming at you. They had steam showers, and it had a Scottish shower, and um, you could put these, like, essences inside it, and you could have all sorts of essences coming around you, and you could put these... Um, I remember one time we put into it um, eucalyptus oil, and it was amazing during the winter when you had a cold because you put the steam unit on, you opened it, you stuck your head in, closed the door over your neck. <laughs> you know, and it, like, it just cleared you out. You know, you were walking about and not feeling all, you know, you know, it was really good. These things are amazing when you smell them. It's just amazing. And there was another one they had with it as well. Something like strawberries or something like that. And it was, it was really odd, very odd. But customers loved them. Guess what they paid for those for the, the beauty of that, at ten thousand pounds. At ten thousand pounds, what they and they and we used to sell quite a lot of them. Believe it or not, that used to amaze me. Ten thousand pounds, and they had chromotherapy in there as well, all different lights, and you could put your your favourite sounds in there. Uh, it was amazing. But the smell, the fragrance, the essence—it's the essence of a really good smell that makes a difference for us. And when you think about it, smells remind you of a whole lot of things. And I wanted to put this one up, the Old Spice. Now, if you're older, you'll remember what this stuff is, Old Spice. I mean, this company has been trying to promote this with the younger generation to try and get them on board with this. But this stuff here reminds me of somebody, my dad, Billy. Billy loved Old Spice. That was his thing. You would always see him, there he was. Slopping it all on and out he was going and he'd be smelling great. And when I was younger, I used to go up and have a go at this myself. And my dad says, you have my aftershave, son? No, dad, definitely not. I wouldn't be touching that stuff, dad, you know. But this, 
reminds me. Every time I smell this stuff, if I, if I see it anywhere, it reminds me of my dad right away. It's amazing if you smell something that brings you right back to maybe a time, a place, or an event somewhere in your lifetime. It's amazing how th- something like that will bring you right back. And so it is with genuine Christianity. Those who love the Lord. Jesus omits a lovely aroma. I want to read with you, if you can, 2 Corinthians, if you just open your Bibles, in 2 Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 to 17. 2 Corinthians 2, um, 14 to 17. So, but thanks be to God who always leads us in a triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are um, perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the world of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. Now that's a great piece of scripture, that. That made me think deep, really, really, really deep about that. And it is about the genuineness of Christianity and those who love the Lord. And Jesus emits a lovely aroma. It's a distinct sweet smell of the Spirit of God bearing his fruit. Bearing his fruit in the lives of believers. There is a Spirit-filled congregation somewhere in the world like this one. And they're omitting the fragrance of Jesus. They are emitting the lovely, lovely aroma of Christ and it just spreads out all over the place. Christ is filling them all the time and it's like having a big, rich bouquet of flowers and the smell of them is just amazing. The Apostle Paul illustrates this, um, um, the major theme of his letter here in 2 Corinthians Oh, have I lost it? David, can you bring this back for me? You're no more slides on. Have I not? No. Have I gone? Oh, dear. Great. Well, that's the end of that then. This is me and technology. This is what it happens. If any can, anybody can make it blow up, I could, it'll be me. Anyway, we'll move on. We don't really need it. So... The triumph of Christ. If you looked in this, this major letter here, in which that of the triumph of God's grace over our human frailty, in the spite of all the setbacks that we have, in, the, in, in spite of all the difficulties in life, Paul bursts forth with amazing praise because of the triumph of God's news of Christ in the city of Corinth. And it is a sweet fragrance of God. And he even says um, in Philippians chapter 4 verse 18, I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received um, from Epaphras the gifts you have sent. They are fragrant offering. He calls it 
a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And you know what? When it comes to this wonderful fragrance as us as Christians, I was sitting thinking about this yesterday. Christians do emit this wonderful fragrance, this wonderful aroma, and it spreads out all over the place like a lovely scent. It's like a lovely, you know, a lovely scent that just spreads all over the place. You walk in, you go, wow, there's something about the smell. When I used to be a preacher in the Methodist church, and I would be out in different churches all over the Portadown district, I could have been anywhere, but there was always something about every building you walk into. It had its own scent. When you walked in, that most churches always smelt of damp, mind you, but it, it, you know what, they had a bit distinctive smell when you walked into it. And everywhere, you know, if you put a blindfold on me and walked me into certain churches, I'd say, yes, I know where I am right now. There was a distinctive smell about it. But the fragrance as a Christians are, it's just incredible because of the things that we do for other people. It spreads this lovely fragrance throughout. God makes known through us the fragrance that consists of the knowledge of him. And it's about the knowledge. If you were to tell me the fragrance of knowledge, I would say it's this place. Because every week we get the fragrance of knowledge. We are being taught amazingly well. We are being taught about the work of God, about how he capacitates us in our life every way. We are well taught in this church. So the fragrance spreads out. You can't say that you can walk away from this church and say, well, I didn't get nothing from that today. My goodness, you must be daft or you're not listening because God really blesses us with the fragrance of knowledge. And he says it here, God makes known through us the fragrance that consists in the knowledge of him in every place. He uses you and me to make known the fragrance of the knowledge of himself, the knowledge of the person and the saving work of Christ that's spread abroad like a pervading fragrance through every believer and wherever they lead and whatever they are. There is a metaphor in all of this, you know, in the fragrance and and the perfume that suggests its penetrating strength. It's penetrating strength of the revelation of the delight which brings to us those who receive it. And that was written by a guy called Alfred Plummer. But with every essence, like I said at the very beginning, with the essence comes stench. This is something I thought about and I didn't know whether I wanted to say this or not, but there is a stench in the church. And David struck on it a few, well, quite a few weeks ago when he was speaking about when he set up and when him and Linda were about to really get into the business of planting this church. David was given all sorts of advice in that and Linda as well. And one of them was, don't trust. Be careful who you trust. Don't trust anybody. And David said that to me, my mind immediately started to think about the hurt and pain, the person who told him that. There is a stench in the church and that it is criticism. It is an awful thing. Oh my word, it is the most absolutely unbelievably awful thing. And for that, it can spread like wildfire. It can destroy, it can bring down, it can destroy someone to the very point that they will never be involved in anything ever again. Criticism by far. Matt, to tell you this, friends, it is unbelievably damaging, to say the least. 
You can bear the, 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 you can bear the scars of criticism for the rest of your life. It puts you to the point that you will never want to do a thing again. And guess what? It is always the people who are prepared to put themselves out there. It's always the people who are putting their head above the parapet. They're the ones that get shot at every time. And I can never quite understand that. I can never quite understand why it is that you have to be the person that people go looking for. Because you're doing. I can never quite understand that. People who sit on the armchair with their arms on the chair and they sit and critic, be very critique about other people who are doing stuff in the church, yet they do nothing. Don't do that. If you're ever tempted to become critical of other people in your church, be careful. Let me put it to you the way Merlin's Auntie Peggy used to say to me, and she was a godly lady of the most unbelievable. She was fabulous. A most prayerful lady you've ever met, a prayer warrior. Oh my word, she was a prayer warrior. She used to say to me, Nigel, if you're criticizing something, you're not doing it right, but pray about it till you see what happens. And guess what? You don't become critical anymore when you pray about it. Don't do that, folks. Can I say to you, the stench in the church is the one where people take others down in the church and they go looking for them. And you know who gets into that when you start being critical? Satan latches onto that right away. And he just brings that awful disease into the church. And he will just take it like wildfire and he will destroy your church. He will destroy you as a person. I got, a, I got criticized. I got really hammered hard. And I reacted back by doing the same thing back to other people. And I became bitter. And for two whole years, I couldn't be used by God because I could not deal with the hurt and the pain and the scars of what left me until I got to the point where I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And I went to the people to whom I was firing back at and I said, I'm sorry. And I asked their forgiveness and I asked God to forgive me and he restored me. That's what it does to you. The stench, the essence, the stench. I don't, want to, oh, I don't want to lean on that one too much and I won't either. Um, and so I want to move on to the next one. Aroma. The aroma. We've got the essence. To make a good perfume, you've got to go look the essence. You've got to look the ingredients. You've got to go get all the bits and pieces that they put in that build up a really good um, fragrance that smells absolutely amazing. The essence of what we do is when we accept Jesus Christ into our life and then we say this one thing to God. We say, Lord, give me everything you have. That's whenever you begin to do the most amazing stuff. Give me everything you have. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. When you have the knowledge of Christ, you go out and you spread that out from all the place. You go out telling people about Jesus. And even if you don't tell them, I used to know a gentleman and he was a Baptist pastor. And he was for about 50 odd years. But what used to really, really intrigue me was his communication skills were amazing. I mean, he literally just walked down and sat down with somebody he never met, straight in there having a conversation with them. He never preached at them, but he did this one thing. He left his faith behind. 
Wow. He left his faith behind. How about that? In our lifetime, sociologists tell us that we will meet up to 10,000 people, of which most we won't remember. But every person you come in contact with is impacted. And that intrigued me. How come? How can you be impacted by so many people? How can you impact other people? And what that person went on to say was opening the door for someone. They'll go, well, what a gentleman. Wasn't that very kind of them to open the door? Or would you do what I do sometimes when you're driving, you get up to a big queue of traffic and you come up from a junction and people are dead selfish and they won't let you in and you're sitting going, well, that's very selfish of that guy. That's very selfish of him. He won't let me out. And I do this thing. I look at people. I look at drivers. I sit and look at them like this. And when they catch my eyes, they go, I'll better let him out. I used to know a manager. He used to say to me, I never let anybody in. I said, well, are you okay with people letting you in? He said, oh, I have no problems with people letting me in, but I never let anybody in. I said, that's still so unbelievably selfish. But I always do this one thing. When somebody lets me out, I say, Lord, bless that man. Bless that lady. Bless them for letting me out. We're impacted by what other people do. If someone lets you out, if someone opens the door. You are impacted also whenever somebody shouts at you or somebody is giving you, you know, doing this at you and giving you sort of very nasty gestures through the car because you've just cut them off or something like that. I remember a guy doing that one day. I pulled out in front of them by accident and the guy was going nuts and he was going. So I won the window down and I said to the guy, sorry mate, that was my fault. And he went, oh, oh no problem. No, no problem. Get on. No bother. <laughs> so we impact people. We impact them by, you know, you, you meet 10,000 people. That's incredible in your lifetime. Some will probably meet more. But you impact people and you will do as Christians by your fragrance. The lovely fragrance of Jesus Christ that emits from you and that goes out and goes around. The impact is absolutely amazing. And I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about some of the people I have met that have really impacted me and who have the most wonderful fragrance of Jesus, the aroma of Jesus within them. And one of those people was a lady that used to be in our church and I'm Thomas Street. And I know that there are those who went to Thomas Street will immediately know her, June. If you just knew June, June was so incredible. June was in her 80s and she was, oh boy, her and I used to bounce off each other, something shocking. She had a wicked sense of humour, you know. And she didn't need somebody like me with her because I used to lead her astray. <laughs> oh boy. Now, June was really, she had this awful arthritis thing going on and it really did do a lot of harm to her, wee, her wee limbs and stuff. But she never complained, ever. And she had a little, wee, wee little, um, you know, roulette and then she would lean on this with one arm and hold it with the other. And then she would walk in. And she would walk in very slowly. And one night, we were going into the big hall in our church. And she was at the door waiting to go in. And there was a little ramp. And she was trying to get the little rollator over it. And there was a gentleman behind her. And then there was me. And I sort of looked around at her and said to her, For goodness sake, June, would you hurry up? <laughs> now you've got to know her, right? The gentleman behind her went, he just looked at me with such a shock on his face that I would actually say this to this poor lady. June just stopped, turned her head round to me and said, shut up Nigel, I'll take whatever time I want. <laughs> 
And she laughed, and I laughed, and the gentleman twigged on right away. These people, well, they've got something going on here because they banter each other all the time. But there was something about June you've got to know. She was the essence and the beauty and the fragrance of Jesus Christ because she was such a loving person. And she just exuded that from her. And I'll tell you how good she was. When you get teenage children in church who flocked around her, they flocked around her. They loved her. Teenage children don't love nothing. They hate their parents and everything, for goodness sake. They actually they, they hate the world at that stage. But they loved June. And they would flock around her. And they used to say to me, is there any chance you could get June to come to Sunday school? I said, I wouldn't impose that on anybody. <laughs> but we did. We brought her along as a panel, along with other ladies. In fact, there were other women who were absolutely amazing in the same boat. And we did, we did a questionnaire. We did a questions and answer session. It was brilliant. I, were you at that, um, Caitlin? You were, yeah? And you were there? That was, so, that was an amazing afternoon, wasn't it? It was so funny. Absolutely hilarious. On one occasion, at the time, we were looking to do outreach in the church. And we thought, you know what? Wouldn't it be great if we did an alpha in a bar and poured it in? And for me, this was incredible. I thought, this church is talking about going out and doing it in a bar. This is amazing. That's great. So we were announcing this in a meeting. And June was sitting there. And they said, well, we're going to a bar, we're going to do, they've allowed us to go into a room and we're going to do Alpha in there and they're okay with this and we think it's be an amazing thing to do and we need some volunteers to help with it. And I'll never forget June going, oh goody, we're going on a pub crawl. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That was an amazing event of what she attended and do you know something? We had a lovely harvest of people who came to faith in Christ at that. That's exuding the lovely aroma of Christ. And you know, about 25 years ago, there was a big group of us all went down to West Cork. Oh my goodness, this was great crack this was. We went to a New Age hippie commune. Yes, I know what you're thinking. I'll tell you what, you want to meet the weird and the wonderful? There was the place to go meet the weird and wonderful. Oh boy, I'll tell you what, I got my eyes open on that one. What happened there was there was a, a mission sta station put right in the middle of this, up the side of a mountain, hippie, new age commune. And it was a house, they built this prefabbed house. And so they needed plumbers and electricians and joiners and all sorts of people to go down and do work in it because it needed all the services. And where these people lived in this, they, don't, they didn't have electricity. This is what really intrigued me. These people didn't like energy. That they called this a really bad energy. But we brought electricity up the mountain to this mission hut. And in there, um, my job was to get all the plumbing services in. And I needed to get a bathroom to bring with me. So we, we hired out the seven-ton lorry. We bunged it full of furniture, a bathroom, piping, um, a stove, one of those you know cook-on stove things. We filled it full of um, bedding, lidding, linen, everything we could find. And we brought it down to Cool Mountain. Oh boy, what a place. And I started into the work. And I got the bathroom fitted. Now the water supply, was really, which this really intrigued me. Because how they got the water supply was, they diverted a little stream coming down into a big tank, this big reservoir tank, and they would put hoses into it. And they would siphon it, and the water would siphon off down into their homes. 
It wasn't treated water or anything. So I had to bring this water down, put it into a tank in the roof space of this wee house and use this as a means to supply in the whole house. I got the bathroom fitted. I got the water running. I got the stove fitted and all the radiators fitted and I lit the fire and we had this amazing heat in the house for the first time. There was a lady there that intrigued me most of all. Oh my goodness. You talk about the aroma of Christ. Her name was Leslie Johnson. Leslie was smaller than me, and I can tell you that's saying something. A little blonde, slim girl in her 20s, and here she was, living there full-time amongst these different people. They lived in little um, shacks. They were made out of pallets. One of them lived in a teepee, which was quite interesting, seeing this little teepee with smoke coming out of the top of it. Some of them lived in tarpaulins over the top of pieces of wood. I've no idea how they did this, but there was quite a lot of them. And Leslie ministered to these people within this community. And what she did, I will never forget. The Methodist Church bought her a people carrier that carried quite a lot of kids in it. She primarily looked after the children. When I fitted the bathroom, she cried. I said to her, it's the first time I've ever fitted a bathroom and somebody cried. I said, that's, really? She says, but you don't understand, Nigel. Well, I says, I kind of do. You need a toilet, don't you, really? Everybody needs a toilet. Like, you need a hot wash-on basin to do your, brush your teeth and you, you need a bath to keep yourself. No, Nigel. No, no, no. You don't understand. The children in this commune, and there was quite a lot of them, believe me. She said, what they do is they all go to school. I pick them up every morning from the commune because if I didn't, they wouldn't go to school. And I pick them up and I bring them to school. But she says some of them are, they're stinking. Just the, the parents don't care. They just don't care for them. I'm going to bring them up here. I'm going to wash their clothes for them. I'm going to make sure they get bathed because they're going to be excluded from school if I don't because they're so bad. And she says, and I go and pick them up from school and bring them back. Really? She says, Nigel, this is a ministry. This bath. She stood crying, saying, this is a ministry. Wow. I started to think about what this lady was doing. And I said, well, what else do you do here? I mean, what is it that... Because I started to get really into what she did. Oh, Nigel, she said, I could tell you story after story here, but on the nights that they have raves, they had raves and parties. And she said, Nigel, those are scary. Those kids are down at those, she said, and the stuff goes on there that I can't talk about. I gather all the children up and I bring them up to the mission station and we have meetings. And she said, we, we sit around that lovely, we're going to be sitting around this lovely big stove, she says, and this amazing heat. And she said, we're going to sit here with these children and keep them away from all of that. And I'm going to talk to them about Jesus. Wow. I said, take me on a walk around, show me some of this place. Because all I got to see was the mission station. So her and I went for a walk. And a, and a few others. And we're walking through this field. And I think I've told you this story. So for, forgive me if, you, if you've heard it before. For maybe some of you haven't. But she showed me the charred remains of a caravan sitting. And I'll not go into the details of it because... There are kids here and I don't want to go into the details of it. But there was a man who lived there called American Bob. He was black, filthy, stinking. She said, you know, Nigel, something really often happened there. But the, the main story was, at Easter she went down to see him. 
Well, Bob, she said, how are you? He didn't speak. He was really depressed. He was ripping pieces out of a, out of a telephone directory and scrumpling them up and throwing them on the ground. And he began to cry. She said, the smell of the caravan was enough to make you heave. And I brought him down an Easter egg and a little verse. And I said, you know, Bob, Jesus loves you. And I would love you to know Jesus the way I know Jesus because you wouldn't be feeling this way. And she said, nicely, he doesn't speak to me. And I took everything within me to walk over to him. And I put my arms around him and I hugged him, she said. And she said he was heaving, stinking. But the love of Jesus is what I had to show this man. And I hugged him. The essence of Jesus. Leslie exuded the lessons of Jesus. The aroma of her just spread out throughout that whole commune. There are children, that's about, that's about 25 years ago. Those children are now adults. Think about what she has put into their lives that will, which will come to the fore, which will be watered and will be coming to a lovely harvest of young Christians who knew the love of Leslie. The aroma of Jesus. We were all impacted that weekend, all of us, all of the guys who were there. Tanya's husband, Andrew, was with me. We're not good together. We got up to all sorts of badness that weekend. So bad. So bad. Some poor guy was feeling very sick and ended up going out to the toilet, which was outside at this stage before I got the other one inside. And Andrew put my bending machine up against the door and the poor man at three o'clock in the morning was banging on the door trying to get back in and none of us, none of us would let him in. But Leslie, oh my word, I can't begin to tell you what it was like just being there. And meeting all these strange individuals. You know, it says that we must be imitators of God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love just as Jesus also loved you. You gave himself, you, and gave yourself up for him and for us and an offering of sacrifice, a fragrant aroma. So here's the thing, Table Church, are we going to be, and I know we are, I can say safely, we are this wonderful aroma of Christ, spreading out to people's lives and changing them. You think about what we do over at Links, what we do here on a Thursday night with the kids, what we do here on a Sunday morning. We fan that out throughout all of our community and we bring the fragrance of Jesus, that lovely aroma that goes out all over the place. Leslie's wonderful, fragrant aroma of selfless love was overpowering. Needless to say, that took a, a big it took a big hit on her because she really was giving all the time and at one point she just really had to quit because it was a 24-7 job that she had to do. The things that she told me, the things that she saw, the awful perils that she herself was nearly almost in from her own safety point of view was absolutely frightening. So how many people will we impact on our lifetime? 10,000 people, imagine. Imagine the people that you've affected around you. Imagine all of this that you bring in. 
As you know, I'm moving to another job and uh, my colleagues in work, are, they all hate me at the minute because I'm leaving. And one of them said to me, I can't believe you're leaving us, so we're all going to hate you. <laughs> Nobody likes you here, Nigel, anymore. <laughs> and then he, f he finished it off by saying, I can't believe our little ball of joy is leaving us. And I said, that's the nicest thing you've actually ever said to me in the whole time I've been here. Yes, and it'll be the only time you'll ever hear from me as well. <laughs> it's how we impact other people around us. What are you going to be? How fragrant are you going to be? How, what's your aroma going to be like all around? Not your personal aroma, by the way. It's your aroma of Christ, okay? It's the aroma of Christ that comes off you and permeates around you. Just to finish off on a story. I was working on a building site of all, you know, several houses development. And I was working on one house and the painter was there, which is very rare because the painters, plumbers usually go into houses on their own because nobody likes them. You know, because I don't know what it is about plumbers. But it seems to be they always want to fight with us. But this painter happened to be in the house and he was a really lovely guy. And so we sat down to have lunch together and we're having such good banter and laughter. And him and I, just him and me both. And he said to me, you're a Christian, aren't you? But I wasn't preaching to him. I didn't say anything to him about Jesus, or about God, or about anything else. And I said, well, actually, I, I am, actually. Why? What makes you say that? It's just, the, it's just you, he said. You're so happy, he said. You, you've got something. You've got something, he says. It's amazing. And I said, are you a Christian? No, but I'd love to be. And then I said to him, would you like me to talk to you about Jesus and I'll lead you to him now? Oh, I'd never be a good Christian. I'd never be any good at this. I said, neither am I. I said, I feel God every day. Every day I get on my knees and I say, Lord, will you forgive me? And guess what he does? He forgives me. I said, think about the old hymn. You know the old hymn Cecil Alexander wrote? There is a green hill far away without a city wall. You know that little part in that it says, and there was no other good enough to pay the price. He only could unlock the gates and let us in. That man was so close to Jesus that day. But it was interesting when he said to me, you're a Christian, aren't you? And it's not the first time it's been said to me. I was on another site and the guy said, this guy was giving me a pretty hard time. And I said, what, what are you giving me a hard time for? What have I ever done to you? You're a Christian and I hate you. And I never once mentioned to him that I was. What's your aroma like? And are we going to spread that aroma out throughout all of Tandergy today? Are we going to really do this thing for Jesus? Let's do it. Because you know what? This church has such a lovely aroma of Jesus. And I love coming here every Sunday. I love coming through these doors anytime. Because this is an amazing church. And I love it. And I love its people. And I love the love that it has for everybody else and for each other. And let's pray that God will spread that out in this community that they can feel it too. Because you know what? God's amazing. And God is incredible. And God is just absolutely phenomenal. And he just takes ordinary people like you and me and he does the most incredible stuff. Because every one of us are all important. And I keep saying this all the time. We've only got this one DNA. And it's unique. Never be repeated. And I know you're thinking, good Lord, thank goodness, Nigel, no more of you. That would be too much for this world. But you are important. And God has made you the way you are. And he makes no mistakes. 
May the aroma of Jesus just pour from this place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, will you use each and every one of us as a fragrant offering, Lord. I know whenever you died on the cross, that was a wonderful, aromatic, lovely, fragrant offering. What's pleased God. And Lord, when we do the most amazing things for you, it pleases you, Lord. May we be used even more and more and more as a wonderful, fragrant, aromatic offering, Lord. Let us be blessed to be used by you and the glory of Jesus. Lord, if there's people in this church today and don't feel they're good enough to be used by you, Lord, will you bless them to understand this one thing. You have made them. You have blessed them. They are unique. And Lord, you have made no mistakes here. And Lord, you want to bless every one of us. So Father, use us to the glory of your name. Amen.